An excerpt from Sem Bellwether's Notes on the Imber Conflict. It cannot be said that the streets of the great city of Coronatus are ever truly empty, not especially in these war-torn days of refuge, but at night in the Shade District, when the five moons rise and the ferocious heat of the day begins to subside, this is when the grand metropolis truly comes alive. Walk the district's cobblestone streets under the glow of its fabulous array of colored lights, and you will come to know the city in a way unlike any other. It is a delight for the senses. The murmur of the crowd swells into a hum not unlike the call of those notorious cricket coyotes out in the dust, punctuated by the barks of the market vendors who have just begun to hawk their wares from stalls on every corner. Let your eyes alight with the bright hues of the Coronatus Fashionable, who use the winding roads of the Shade District as their runways. Trace that mosaic pattern on the ponchos for sale, which is the distinct style of the region. Smell the spicy-sweet aroma of the roasted jaddock, the plump grubs hanging on display from the vendor carts, or the pungent smoke of drugged incenses dispensed from dimly glowing half-orbs, which will make one dream of the stars and the spaces in between. You can spend a thousand nights in the Shade District, that neighborhood protected eternally from Ember's harsh sun by the great shadow of the city's interstellar lighthouse, and never find yourself having the same evening twice. But even in this garden, safe behind the city's walls, you cannot escape the conflict that rages outside. Here, amidst the murmur of the crowd and the music of the street bands, the repetitive chant of concordat missionaries who walk these lanes looking for converts. Watch out from any corner long enough and see Commonwealth soldiers on leave, still in their standard-issue boots and fresh haircuts, stalking the streets in search of a fight. Smell that gun smoke and the coppery scent of spilled blood in those places where the ever-simmering tension of the city has boiled over yet again, spurred on by cheap booze and a heat that not even the deep night can quell. Trace your hands on an alley wall and come back with still wet paint from the drying mark of ring graffiti, an incitement to revolution against all the worst aspects of this place. You can find all of Coronatus here in the Shade District, and more. You can become lost in it as well. Howdy, and welcome to Risky Standard, an actual play podcast featuring a rowdy group of best friends playing tabletop role-playing games together. I'm your host, GM, Mitch Bruiser. You can find me on Twitter at MagnesiumB, and you can find the show on Twitter at Standard Risky. With me today, I've got Pete Loftus. That's right, I'm Pete. I'm playing as ace pilot, Rhodes Rampart, as always. And we've also got Malcolm Hall. Hey, Malcolm Hall here. Uh, today I'll be playing uh, Desmond, no last name, and uh, we're basically the same guy. <laughs> uh, and we've also, of course, got Timothy Manns with us today. Since we're talking about who we're playing, you guessed it. I'm coming back at you. 
shooting straight from the hip. Card is card is back in the game. <laughs> Stum around me. <laughs> As always, until we're not, we are continuing our game of Beam Saber by Austin Ramsey. Uh, you can find Beam Saber over on Austin's itch.io page. Uh, pretty exciting Beam Saber week for us here. Uh, we just got the at my household the Beam Saber uh, physical printing, the the Kickstarter copy, and it is a real beauty of a book. Uh, and at the moment that we're talking, which is going to be about probably a month from, <laughs> from September, when, beginning of September, yeah, probably sometime in September when you're hearing it. But at the at this moment in the the last days of August, there are still some hard copies of Beam Saber, some hard copies of Beam Saber available on Indie Press Revolution. I should have yes, available on Indie Press Revolution. Uh, and I believe also there will be print-to-demand copies coming sooner than not. Uh, so if those are not available on IPR, keep your eyes peeled for a little print-on-demand and get yourself a copy. It's a real, real handsome book. I'll tell you that. And with all that said, uh, tonight we are yeah, continuing our game of Beam Saber. Uh, we last left off our, our previous session. We had uh, started a new mission. Uh, so I'll give us like a little, little recap, talk about where we left off, and then I'd kind of like to just get rolling right into it. Last you met with Troubadour, you were told that a Grenfield executive named Sellers Montag is in possession of data that might lead you to the location of the, the missing scientist Harlow Shellspade, whose data cache you stole in our first mission, and which you have not yet been able to decrypt, which is why you're trying to find this scientist. And so your mission tonight uh, is to follow Sellers Montag to the Lost Crown Saloon, which is the, the one location where he will be without his usual security detail, retrieve his personal network device, sort of his like uh, his Palm Pilot, his personal computer that contains sensitive Grenfield data. Uh, and that's your primary objective. Your secondary objective uh, is, if possible, retrieve that personal network device, uh, copy the information available on it with a, an apparatus hacking unit, uh, and then return it to Sellers Montag, all without him having become aware of the operation. Uh, and so the way that you all decided to tackle this mission uh, is that you decided to enter Rhodes as a contestant in something called the Diadem Royale, which is a, a big exhibition match that's taking place at the Lost Crown Saloon of a game called Foray, a sort of holographic tactical mech simulator that is popular here on Ember. Uh, and so, yeah, as part of your, your engagement role, you, you submitted Rhodes' entry into this tournament, kind of, kind of banking on his, his newfound, or his uh, newly rekindled, rather, renown as an ace pilot for the ring, using the, the, fr- the help of your, your friendly local fixer, the, the Vaudenoy Books Serac. The owner of the Lost Crown Saloon, the crime kingpin known as Rebus Actual, agreed. And so uh, Rhodes has been granted entry to the Lost Crown tonight as a combatant in a game of foray for the Diadem Royale. Uh, And and for that engagement roll, you guys rolled not just one six, but two. uh, What would be a critical success on any other roll? So you'll be starting tonight's mission in a controlled situation. So that's kind of like the lay of the land. Uh, I think we can kind of move right into it. I do kind of want to, I think, you know, there's like maybe a little thing that happens here in the time before, or the time in between you uh, arranging this invite with books and the actual launch of the mission, which is that uh, and at some point, I think uh, it's probably when Rhodes is working 
uh, at the scrapyard where we, we've kind of established roads kind of works as kind of a cover job during the day, right? Uh, yeah, that's like the day job. I think it's like <laughs> kind of funny since the low tower ended up being also a scrapyard, but it's a different scrapyard. It's a different scrapyard, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is my scrapyard away from scrapyard. Well, Coronatus is a city full of them. There's an entire district, right, that is kind of full of these like scrapyards and these places that are dedicated to processing uh, space junk and kind of the the remnants of battlefields that, that kind of dot uh, the the basin during this ongoing conflict. And then also all of the weird uh, kind of like first era stuff that gets pulled out of the ground and brought back to the city sometimes. So yeah, there's, there's a few scrapyards. Uh, but I think it's at the scrapyard probably that a, a courier in kind of like a, a maroon outfit arrives with like a... Um, you know, this like uh, envelope that is is sealed with like a, a big wax seal that has like a, a crown symbol on it, right? Uh, it's very fine paper, a heavy stock, you know, handwritten, I think. Uh, and this is uh, a letter of invitation from Rebus Actual addressed to Rhodes Rampart. And, you know, I'm not going to, I don't have like the, the, the letter written point by point here, but I think generally what you get, right, is this kind of, um, you know, sort of your offer of interest in participating in the Diadem Royale has been considered and accepted in light of your extraordinary talents and reputation as a pilot of armors. And, you know, there's like some technical here. It's like, hey, here's the time that the thing's going to start. Here's when you should show up. It tells you that a, a suitable selection of uh, foray projectors, the kind of uh, avatars that you pilot in this in this game uh, will be provided. The pilot is welcome to bring their own, subject to inspection. You know they they double down this point that we we heard last time because one of the reasons we're doing it at this casino or this saloon, right, is that for the safety of all participants and attendees, weaponry is prohibited on the grounds of the Lost Crown Saloon. Uh, Mr. Rampart is invited to bring any necessary technical assistance and personal companions, subject to such previous restrictions. Uh, and there's like a little itinerary, you know, you're told prior to the match that lo the Lost Crown requests that all competitors convene in a reserved section of the lounge where they have an opportunity to meet their fellow pilots and exchange greetings with a, a handful of Lost Crown VIPs who have generously donated for the opportunity. Afterwards, there'll be a, a final chance to review your technical setups before the audience assembles in the arena for the match proper. And I think there's like one final note here, which is that while there are competitors and guests from a variety of political perspectives, the Lost Crown's reputation as a neutral place celebrating joy and games of chance is of the utmost importance. Each guest is expected to conduct themselves in a manner that maintains such an atmosphere. Yeah, I think Rhodes like maybe flips over the, you know, parchment envelope in his hands. Where I'm just like, so it really worked, huh? <laughs> and I think at that point he would, um, I'd send a message out like to Utah or something like a voice note or a text, whatever it is, like in, in this thing that just says, Utah, we're going into town. I'm going to need a ride. Wear something <laughs> nice. Are you bringing Utah with you? Um, I think we're going to roll up with like an entourage. Like I'm thinking this is like some sort of like vehicle entry. Um, in my mind, the foray players are like arriving, you know, like it's a Oscars event, you know, where it's like the car rolls up, like you bust out with a bunch of people. And like, yeah, I if someone's going to be driving that limousine, it's Utah Alexander. OK, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, let's let's cut to it. Right. Um, Does he get to come in or is he like, uh, no, he's, he's going to drive him, but you get to stay out here, but. <laughs> There's an open bar. Uh, you have 
three drink tickets. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, unless there are any questions or any last minute things here, I think, you know, we can just cut to the action. We can start uh, this mission. Um, well, I, I guess if without getting too much in our heads about it, what I just want to know, obviously, Rhodes is going in as player. Des, what, what is Des's persona? Just so we know what everyone's doing. Just cultural liaison. Ooh, oh, perfect. beautiful word yes. on that. Cultural liaison. <laughs> That's yeah. fucking choice. Okay, and uh, I think I think Card is going to go in as press. I'm writing a story on this. Uh, you know, trying to tap into the cash in on the the renewal of interest in uh-huh. this this hero of of the stories. Sam Bellwether is you know, star rising oh, yeah. No, again. You're, yeah. You're writing for the, uh, the sedge free bellwether press. Like, uh, you know, or I, that's too on the yeah, nose, but no, like, but you know, the sedge the, sentinel sedge sentinel sounds great. to me. I don't know. You guys got a cool newspaper sedge sentinel sounds great. And I'm going to surprise myself with what my name's going to be when I need to say it to someone. Love it. <laughs> okay. So let's, uh, yeah. So, so Utah is like your, your chauffeur. He's driving like Bringing you there in a in a, a vehicle of some sort. Yes. Okay, I like that. And you're you've you've kind of nailed the tone because it is you know to set it up right. The you we saw it last time, but to revisit it again, uh, the Lost Crown Saloon is this huge building. It covers like a city block. It used to be an old Chiropteran armory that has since been you know converted into this kind of massive, you know, we're using the word saloon, but I think really I'm drawing my mind here to like, you know, Vegas casinos in a way. Um, uh, right. It is this kind of like the largest saloon in all of uh, Coronatus, maybe in all of the basin, probably. Um, it is this kind of huge vice den. Uh, and it has a front entrance that you went through last time, but this time you're brought to the the rear entrance, which is the, the VIP entrance. And it is this like big, marble staircase you know that i think it has had a red carpet laid down up it today right there are you know yeah these like luxury hover vehicles arriving and guests coming out and going up and they present uh most of them are presenting uh these these large gold coins with a crown uh embossed on them which is the kind of like uh the symbol that belongs to VIP members of the Lilypad Lounge, the Lost Crown Saloon. And other folks are presenting these kind of like formal paper invitations like Rhodes has. You know, there are these these guards in these maroon suits. I think maroon is kind of like the color of the service workers here at the the, the Lilypad Lounge and the Lost Crown Saloon. And it has there's like a you know like glitz and glamour, right? There is probably I imagine there is probably press. There is like, I think, yeah. you know, some uh, members of like the, the Coronatus, you know, uh, papers of record. The Diadem Royale, this this exhibition match that Rebus Actual is putting on is kind of a, a big to do, right? Um, it's a social function. You know, there are, I think, Coronatus socialites showing up for this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are, are council people arriving in the, the cornflower blue cassocks uh, that we... We saw Desmond's uh, newly revealed sister uh, in last session. And so, yeah, give it to me. Like, what is the, what is the arrival of Rhodes and his entourage look like? Let's talk fits for a second, because uh, I think that's a big part of this. And I, I got mine down. Do you, do you guys have any outfit changes? I mean, I think this is a big, you know, like to do. And honestly, I think touches a little bit of pride for Rhodes. So I think there's probably some scene here of, you know, like in the 
armoire like setting up and i think rhodes is wearing like a like a general's trench like from i think the old days of like the ring you know the early days of the ring i think it's even got kind of like pseudo epaulets and uh i think it is sort of like a charcoal black like long kind of like heavy coat and i think it's even kind of decorated with like some um badges and silver stars on the breast Beneath that, I think, is a bandolier, uh, like across the chest. Again, I don't think this is like daily wear. This is more like dress garb. I think he's wearing like a tall kind of like riding boot uh, under like, you know, pants, um, black. All, like, I think it's just shades of gray to black. And then on the back of the trench is the star within a circle uh, of the Black Star constellation. And of course, he's wearing like a, a cowboy hat here, obviously. I think, um, you know, like Rhodes here is like, you know, stepped up attire outside of just like kind of a desert wear. Yeah. Do you guys want to go? And- yeah, I think that there is a uh, card has gotten his hands on somewhat of it's I, th- I think he's kind of taking a little bit of like a bit more removed ironic sense of the Sem Bellwether like Western kind of character. It's a nod to like the history of cowboys will still or like, you know, drovers will still trying to be like a cool urban like writer. Right. Uh, I mean, I guess I'm kind of in my mind. Owen Wilson in Royal Tenenbaums. Uh-huh. Kind Perfect. of like, <laughs> yeah. like I'm a writer. So this is like a cool thing that I'm, you know. Uh, uh, Western chic. Yeah. Maybe he's borrowed a little bit of like R- Rhodes actual clothes or they convinced um, Utah to lend him something. But it's a dressed up <laughs> version of like something that most people look at and go like, Jesus Christ, what a fucking asshole. Uh, that's very funny. Like pearl snaps that are like the triop shell or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I guess what is um what is Utah pulling you t- you up in? Is this like a, a drover wagon? Is this kind of like no, a? No, it's doing the nose. I thought about it too. I'm actually I don't have like a super clear idea in my head. I mean, I think um we probably don't have the lux like gold plated like you know hover limo. What do you got, Malcolm? Any idea for vehicle? Um, you know a a triop uh pulled wagon would be very funny. It would be funny. It's like a fun contrast, right, to the glitz and glamour of everything else. Yeah, it's very, it's very utilitarian. It's homespun. Yeah, I was gonna say, there's like pulling a wagon. The other thought in my head is like a World War II jeep or something. Like you know, it's like a service vehicle, Mm. Um, like a lorry. You know, essentially, Um, where you kind of just get a hop over the edge of it versus like a door being open for you. Or okay, here's another thought. What if it's like a dust cutter bikes? Like we're just like rolling up on hover bikes. All right, let's stick with. I think the no, the, I like that. That's fun. It is tight, right? <laughs> I think that's really fun. We all pull up on bikes, and we like throw the keys to the uh, valet, and they crash them off screen because no one. Yeah. <laughs> and so what's uh what is Desmond? What's Desmond rocking? What is Desmond's uh, attire here? I, I think I think uh, Desmond is very wearing a very simple yet dignified you know chiropter and cape as uh, they are wont to do a. You know, simple slack with a with a, a crease. It's a burnt umber in color, and um, you know, like a little hat with no brim. Okay, like a I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of like a skull cap. Yes. Um. Yeah. You you have like a navy watch cap. Exact. Yes. Yes. But it's made out of like a fine linen. It's not woven. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um. And so yeah, the three of you you pull up on these on these bikes and arriving right there is like, is like um. Um, before we get to that, there's also, I think, like a sick scene of, you know, sunset on Ember as like, uh, you know, the purple and oranges like flare in the background. Three of us, you know, uh, cape, trench, scully cap, uh, I think, you know, kind of like billowing behind right as you like pull up from uh, low tower, taking the long way around. 
Um, like I said, I think, yeah, you know, as you're winding through the streets of uh, the Shade District, this kind of nightlife district where the Lost Crown is located, I think one of, like, the features of it is that, like, it's got this kind of, like, um, panoply of different colored streetlights. There's this kind of, like, you're out, you're moving through, like, as you're racing down the streets, you're cast in, like, purples and then greens and then yellows and then reds. And there's this kind of, like, rainbow bridge effect moving through it almost. Sick. Love it. And so as we, I think, roll up here, what is the, like, is there an attendant, someone coming? Oh, for sure, yeah. This is, like I said, like an event, like I think a VIP, you know, like the valets come over and, uh, you know, (laughs) awkwardly try and, like, I think they probably kind of like are walking these bikes. I don't know that they can like ride them off and guide them away. Uh, I think there is like an attendant, you know, near the base of the stairs who is, you know, kind of like politely asks for your your invitation. Uh, it's probably a lectorian. I think, you know, one eyebrow kind of raised at your unusual appearance relative to, you know, that the fashion of Ember is definitely still oriented towards Western wear. But I think the kind of like a semi-military regalia that like Rhodes is rocking is like a little out of place here. You know, I think probably Cardo looks maybe most at home amongst some of the folks here. So I think you're kind of, um, yeah, raising eyebrows a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think he, you know, he extends a hand and asks for your invitation. Yeah, I think Rhodes kind of hands it over and says, like, you know, I think you'll find all the affairs are in order. Will you be announcing our arrival then? Uh, I think, you know, he looks, he's, uh, you know, looking at the invitation, looking at you, this is um, Mr. Rampart, and this, these are your, your entourage. Um, may I ask uh, who we're looking at here tonight? Well, they're very well capable of introducing themselves. <laughs> you may ask them. <laughs> um, also, it, as if it matters, Carta pulls out, you know, press pass. Not that it means anything to them, but, you know, just to make sure that they know that he's a legitimate member of the press corps with the uh, Sedge Sentinel, um, Gall, Gall Teller. G-A-L-L-T-E-L-L-E-R. Galteller. Galteller with the Sentinel Sedge. The Sedge Sentinel. Sedge Sentinel. Uh, and I think like, there's another attendant besides the guy who's taking the invitations who is like writing these down and like he has an open book in his hands, right? And is writing names down and then like like repeating it quietly into like an ear radio as he does so. Uh, and your other companion this evening? Pen Gillette. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! Yeah, I think my maybe my brain was kind of on like Vegas things. I was like, "Tell tell." Wow, I had not even put that together, but yes, I think that's where my Luxor, New York, New York. Oh, you're Luxorian. Very nice. Ah, yes, my name is Siegfried. Siegfried Spendlove, cultural liaison for the Syndicate of Planets known as the Boundless Ring. And then, uh, you know, very, very to do. I'm pulling off one finger by one finger, my riding gloves. Great. Wiping the dust from my boots. <laughs> yeah. Siegfried Spendlove, cultural liaison to the ring. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, very funny. Good. Um, so let's talk a little bit of mechanics before we carry these guys up the stairs. As I said before, you were starting out in a controlled position because you rolled a you know a critical success on your engagement roll last time and as part of that i'm also kind of saying you know this this first 
portion, right? These identities are you're letting being let in. That's kind of like the the first obstacle passed right away. But the next the next role that happens will be in a controlled position, right? Things are the high alert is not up yet in any way. You you have controlled the situation. No one has maybe twigged, so it seems, to the the fact that this is actually the first part of a mission. One thing I realized we should have done way before, but it just occurred to me as I was thinking about our outfits. We do need to know what load each pilot is carrying into this mission. Uh, and I think this is an interesting one because uh, anything I think like oh anything above like l- light I think you can get in with fine uh, heavy you'll add, there's absolutely gonna have to be a roll to get in with mm-hmm. a heavy loadout um, and not be detected as carrying gear uh, because the difference in loadout as we've kind of covered before right a light load uh, basically like you know you look like a a regular person you you are not you don't look like you're armed and ready for action. Uh, at a standard loadout, um, you look like a pilot. You know, you look like you are ready to go for the the battlefield, but not in a way that is like maybe necessarily immediately gives you away. But at a heavy loadout, you look like a soldier ready to like to go to war. So we should stay right now. What is the loadout that everyone is carrying? I guess light. Um, yeah, I guess seems light like the only too. way that we're not going to yeah. be giving ourselves out unless going in medium. And we can just be like, spin it in ways that they're not weapons, you know, like supplies like bribes or documents or. Well, keep in mind that with light pilot gear, we get two extra load because of the smuggler's rigging ability. That's true. Yeah, you have uh, two extra load of. In tools. Tools and supplies, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Or is it, it's tools or gear. Yeah. So there are categories of item in the game, um, just to be clear. So yeah, okay. that is a good point. That's like a great time to use your new ability. Um, yeah, you get. Uh, two free load of tools or gear. So even if you choose a light, you kind of, you have two extra load to play with than you did in previous missions. Okay. Yeah. Oh. So uh, light is how. Yeah, I'm ca- I'm, I'm taking light. In. Gonna be have to be light for me. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, so light then for everyone means that there's not like um, uh, a question here, right? There's no like kind of like a secondary check. Uh, so with that done, you know your names are are written in the book. And you can see this guy, the, the other attendant, kind of like, you know, hand to an ear for a moment and says, please go right on up. We're expecting you. Good luck in your match this evening, Mr. Rampart. Luck's no question. Cool. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, you know, like I said, there you're going up the this like um, red carpet, up these marble stairs. There's this, these big arches, you know, like I said, I think the exterior of the armory is decorated in like these like streamers and flags. Um around this kind of like sandstone structure, you know, I imagine it's been like heavily, uh, what's the word, you know, like carved into, right? There are like reliefs, uh, probably from like Chiropteran, like history and culture, because this used to be a Chiropteran armory, right? So there's, you know, images of like bats, um, probably images of like the moons of Ember as well, I think kind of like occur on the outside exterior of this building. Yeah, and I'm, I'm in, I mean, the pull for me in my head anyway is like the cities in Petra, you know, it's like, like hewn into the stone, like deep relief. These, I don't know, like almost like um, some of the Greek ruins were like, these, I'm imagining as we're walking through these hallways are like the reliefs of this like Chiropteran empire long past. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good pull. Um, and then it's up the stairs, you know, through these doorways uh, and you're into kind of like a long corridor that I think, you know, kind of terminates on, at the end with like banks of elevators. But before the entrance to those elevators, there are a few more, uh, you know, of these attendants in 
in these maroon uniforms. But I think you can tell stepping in through the doors, the guys in here are all slightly bigger guys, right? There's a little bit of a, a security apparatus here. Uh, and there is also this large, I think, I think it's been decorated, right? Uh, this large metal archway that is lined with, I think, it's kind of like circular ocular sensors. And as I think, you know, the guests, there are a few guests ahead of you who are already lined up and, you know, guests are let in through like one at a time. And as they pass through, these sensors sweep over whoever, whoever's stepping through with this kind of uh, this brief emission of blue light. Uh, and this is a, a weapons detector. Who's holding the equipment we got from the apparatus, the cloning tool? That's a great question. I'd say it's zero load. I'll give you that. It doesn't have a, a like it's zero weight. You know, you don't have to like mark it as like taking upload. But I would also say I don't think anyone has. We don't have to say for sure who has it yet if we don't want to. Okay. Because it was given to you specifically to be brought on this mission, and has been designed in such a way as to, it will look like a personal network device, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like just like a ring communication machine. It will not trigger these sensors. But uh, what I will say here is that. There doesn't have to be a roll at this moment, but by passing through the sensor without rolling now to sneak something in, any like future roll to have a weapon on you is going to require like some kind of flashback or some kind of fictional setup for how you have a weapon despite having gone through the sensor. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. So if someone wants to try and fool it right now at the beginning, they can, but we can always flash back to like the thing that you did to fool it. But I think it is also, you know, well, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say too much right here, but it, it's probably looking for weapons. It's not looking for tools per se, right? Mm-hmm. It's looking for like bombs, probably looking for guns, knives, you know, the kinds of like uh, immediately lethal things that they don't want on the grounds. I'm coming in uh, unarmed. Yeah, I think I also am. Uh, I think being coming in as a journalist there are cameras i'm bringing in that are just regular cameras <laughs> Maybe? question mark question mark you know and if you know if i need to have flashback to it yeah yep absolutely of course is anyone i think the real question is, is anyone trying to smuggle a weapon like in? real just direct weapon no cool if there's one person here who i would not put it past are you are you trying to uh des I don't. I don't think so. Okay. I really can't see how I could get away with something like that in this position. Um, I even went to check my character sheet because I feel like in other games I've played, there's been like you know, um, hidden weapon or whatever. But uh, there's nothing like that. Cool. And for record, if anyone listening out there really wants to know what the cameras look like, he has. Uh, Going in his gall, he has two, the Colorburst 100 Kodak and the Polaroid SX-70. Those are Polar- kind of what they look like. Um, so have fun looking at those. Oh, yeah. Nice. That's a good... The Polaroid SX-70 is a great, That's great clunky camera. piece of yeah. Clunky, and I, but I kind of imagine that it, in a way that like that it pops up maybe on the back of there, there's kind of like a low-res like digital screen where you can get an idea of what the picture looks like, but not like a... Hell, yeah. Cool. That's just for flavor. Anyone following along? Those look dope. Um, I I love that. Yeah, that's like deeply also in line for my everyone. Everyone should go look these up. Stop. Stop listening for a second. Look up these two cameras. You don't even have to stop. You can just go over to our discord. Oh, Oh, shit. shit, Yeah. 
Um, we didn't mention it before, but uh, by the time you're hearing this episode, we are we are launching a little Discord. Uh, so if folks want to come and hang out, chat about the show, look at some pictures of some cool camera inspirations that we're talking about, check the show notes for a link to the Discord. Hit that hollow table channel where I am yeah. feverishly Googling all the stuff we talk about. <laughs> but yeah, these cameras are very uh, much in line with just like my general idea of like the, the tech aesthetic for a lot of the world. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just kind of like, you know, real kind of like 19, like like 50s through 70s idea of the future. Um, and like what tech, what's technologically possible. Like that's that's real good. Uh, yeah. And so we'll, we'll flash back later if we need to. Um you know, yep. uh, each of you in turn is swept through these uh, these sensors without alarm, uh, and then another attendant guides you to these like big. You know, I think they're like like the the doors are this kind of like uh, probably like gold doored elevators, right? They open, and you know, the inside of the elevators is like all mirrored surface, dark woods, uh, and there is like an elevator uh, attendant, probably right. And, uh, you know, he says good evening to you. You know, he pulls on the wheel uh, and brings it to the, maybe just this little symbol of a lily pad on this wheel that is for the, the lounge. <laughs> and then, you know, effortlessly, you know, smoothly, the, the elevator glides up. And a moment later, the doors open to reveal to you the interior of the lily pad lounge, the, the upper floors of the Lost Crown Saloon. As you enter the space from the elevators, I think, you know, you're, you're greeted with this, this enormous room, right? You know, it's like a big space uh, with these vaulted ceilings to this big kind of dome-like ceiling uh, that kind of enhances just the, the perception of size. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to kind of like hit the broad notes and then zero in on specifics. But I think, you know, the first thing that we see, right, is like it's like um, all over it is, it is rich dark imported woods and and velvet curtains i think we haven't talked about a ton but i just think in terms of thinking about the ecosystem of ember is that there's not a lot of forest on ember a lot of like real like wood structure like real wood has to be imported uh from off planet and this place is full of it Uh, a lot of the features like you know like the the curtain poles like banisters uh all these different things are all trimmed or gilded in orichalcum, right? They've got that kind of iridescent metallic sheen to them. You know, the place just screams money. There is uh, extensive plant life here. You know, I think these like huge mm. fern fronds all over, you know, the, the atmosphere is kind of almost a little, not damp, but like um, you can feel this water in the air because uh, you know, the center of the room, mm-hmm. uh, I imagine it's a slightly circular shape, this entire room that you're in. And this entire center is um, at a slight, there's like a, a dip here, almost kind of like a giant conversation pit kind of structure. Uh, and so the center of the room, there are all of these different tables and booths. And they're all organized in orbit around this gleaming orichalcum fountain at the very center that is uh, also like rich with like verdant plant life and is you know swimming with like strange fish in its waters. And it's like a huge fountain. Um, and again, you know, it's it's just like the same way it's the, the fountain outside the pillar row, right? It is this um, just this incredible amount of water in a place where the resource is so rare. 
Yeah, and there's on one wall, there's a, a really sick plant wall with like a pink neon sign that says, but first foray in person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the vibe in my, my mind is like a little bit. Um... <laughs> sorry, sorry, Mitch. No, you're good. <laughs> Co- coffees are $8.50. Oh, for sure. That's like exactly the vibe, right? Is This is like, uh, it's, it's kind of meant to be, you know, I think also like the, the pull in my mind a little bit was like Victorian gentlemen's clubs, mm-hmm. like, the, like the Diogenes Club from Sherlock Holmes, mm, yeah, the, totally. right? The, this, these like places of escape for like the upper crust. Uh, and then on the exterior, outside of this like little, like kind of like, not little, but like this like kind of, you know, like I said, the social area is in the center. There's these tables. Um, there are servers in these maroon uniforms coming to and fro. Um, and then outside of that kind of, um, in a constellation outside it, there are, are tables for games. You know, there are a few of these foray tables similar to the ones that Rhodes played on when he was doing recon. Uh, and then there's a lot more of them that I think are for, you know, dice games and card games. Uh, you know, they, they, these kind of orbit around that. And I think on one far end of the room, there is a stage and this stage, uh, you know, is where there is musical performance. I think there's like a kind of cleared out like dance floor in front of that. There is uh, like a band on playing kind of like a nicer version of like these sort of like handheld theremins that we saw uh, with the drovers, right? They're they're up there playing. Uh, and then the other far end of the room, opposite the, the side of the stage, there is, uh, I think these like huge double doors and like in Oracalcum, you know, like uh, engraved above it is, you know, the Diadem Arena, right? This is where the, the 4A game will be played tonight is in this big arena back there. And I think there's another floor above you. There's like a mezzanine above you. Um, and there are staircases that lead up to this mezzanine. And in the mezzanine, I think there are, you know, velvet curtains drawn over entrances to private rooms. And then a few tables along the balconies there where, you know, there are uh, council people and socialites smoking and looking down, you know, uh, breathing deeply of drug bowls or drinking their, you know, kelp cocktails, whatever it is they do here. This has just got to also be a wildly different color palette than you just see anywhere else. That's what I feel is like striking. Oh, totally. I imagine like, like rich, you know, the, right. the rich dark woods is like a just compared to anything, here. how everything else in my mind is just vaguely dusty, kind of always, you know. And I'm jamming on that idea with Mitch is like, oh, it's wet in here. Like, I bet the the walls like have beaded like, you know, condensation and it's not being collected, you know, like uh, there's a, yeah, an excess of water here in a way that is um, maybe there's even like a th- thin fog on the foray. Field. Ooh, absolutely. A little bit of fog. Uh, yeah, right. Like this, this, you know, what is the thing that is in most uh, like limited resource here? Right. And that's the thing that is excess here for sure. Luxury. Yeah. Mm. You know, and it's dark in this place, too. You know, I think it's not, like, super brightly lit, of course. You know, there, every table feels like you're kind of sneaking away from the world and looking out at, like, the what's happening. And like I said, there are, are, are socialites here. You know, a person in this gown that, like, its material reflects a galactic nebula constantly shifting, chatting with, like, you know, a Coronatus Council person. And, you know, next to them, there is like, you know, uh, a fellow in like a nice suit who's got like a jagged scar across his face. Right. You know, it it is gangsters and politicians and socialites, uh, but it is all people with with money, with something here for the most part. Can I ask, um, is is Thea here? I think on a glance, you don't see her. um, And I think 
I don't think that you would expect to, but who knows? Well, Desmond's just curious. He's just looking around. I mean, looking he does around. have a little fake mustache on, so maybe she, she wouldn't recognize <laughs> him. But uh, If you wanted to like gather information to get like a vibe of like uh, who's around, that, that would be like a, a fun first roll here. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, so what, what's the role here? What, what do you think that is? Sounds kind of like a survey to me, but I could see like a study also. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely survey. Cool. Um, so I think this is a gather information. I don't think there's danger in rolling this here yet, but I think this is like, right, you guys have just walked in and this makes it, you're kind of just like scoping around, right? You're like looking around. Yeah. Look, like, like scanning the boxes for, you know, yeah. notable faces. All right. Four. Um, so on a, a four, that's good, but not great information. Um, first thing I'll tell you, Thea is not here. Okay, good. Uh, this is this is not her scene, and so she is not here. She's not in this room at all. Uh, there are a, a number of Coronatus Council people, though, uh, in varying you know shades of blue to indicate their different ranks. You know, the cornflower blue I think is like the the junior council person. Maybe there's like a richer cerulean that is uh, kind of like senior council members, and you, you're seeing both of those colors reflected here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and like I said, you know, you get a different a, a sense of, you know, these crowds intermingle, but there are also little clusters often, right? Like you can see like over here is kind of where a lot of like the po- politicians are at. And then over here, a lot of the musicians or like the um, the socialites. And maybe there are some like, you know, artists you can kind of tell they're wearing a little bit more avant-garde outfits. These these folks who are sort of wealthy artists or who, who have wealthy patrons who have given them an, an invitation here, right? You need like a certain cultural element to really make the place feel alive in the way that you want. Mm-hmm. I think maybe it's like the three of us are taking stock. Sorry, was that the end of like the... Uh... Oh, I was going to give you one more thing here. Yeah. Um, which is like an actionable thing, which is that uh, I think that down in this... Where is it at? Is it in the comedy? Yes, yeah, so I think... Uh, I know it's up in the balcony. You see up on the balcony, there... Uh, are a few people kind of gathering um, where uh, the curtains have been drawn aside for one of the larger private rooms upstairs. And I think you can see kind of uh, hanging out on the balcony, um, looking around with a group of a handful of other people um, who are kind of slowly starting to filter into this private room behind them. But on that balcony is Sellers Montag. You recognize his face. I described him as like a, kind of like a sharp goatee. He is kind of leaning, looking out. I think he is wearing this like um, rich purple suit that has been embroidered with what looks like, I don't know how they spun it this way, but like oracalcum thread, mm. you know, pearl snaps, uh, also made of the, the Triops Albalone, wearing, uh, I think, a purple cowboy hat that has like uh, the same kind of oracalcum stitching along its edges. And I think like a um, Triops sigil with like the Grenfield logo on the, the front of the hat, which I think I've described before as like a like surveyor's compass is kind of like the, the Grenfield logo. He is uh, leaning, leaning on this balcony, looking down at around at the crowd below. And I think you can kind of guess based on his position, the position of people around him uh, upstairs in that private room is where this like, VIP meet and greet with the players is going to happen soon. Um, but it's kind of not been set. It's getting set up now. It hasn't quite started yet. Uh, and I think on a four, a four is not a six, but I'll give you one more thing, uh, which is that there is someone else standing next to Sellers Montag. Uh, and this person does not look pleased to be here. It's hard to tell because this is a, a synthetic person. This is a robotic person. 
who's very large, right? You know, standing like a foot over Sellers Montag, who's like an average sized guy with like a broad shoulders. And the synthetic person is wearing a kind of like very simple brown suit, kind of big barrel chested body, like a small, almost featureless ground little ray head with like two large black eyes, like ocular sensors. Uh, I think he's wearing like a like a flat cap, right? Like a little, little driver's cap. This person uh, has uh, all four of their arms crossed over their chest and torso. They're standing near Sellers Montag and they are just scanning, like clocking everyone who walks nearby. And so I think, you know, this is a, a, a leap of intuition here is that uh, while security details and weapons are not allowed, uh, it does seem like Sellers Montag might have a bodyguard with him. So I think as we kind of like step in, uh, settling in, like I think, you know, the din of the room is sort of filling like perception, right? Like, you know, when you walk into like a party and it's just like, you're in a party now. We're kind of like shrouded in that a little bit. I think there's the three of us, uh, Utah, maybe, I don't even know if Utah came, but anyway. I think Utah did not come in. Yeah, <laughs> since we went on the bike, we don't need them. But um, we walk in here, I think Rhodes would like turn to the tube and say, all right, fellas, taking a look around, kind of nod and point. That's him up there dressed like a damn clown in the purple, but that's your mark. There's a meet and greet. A few minutes. Why don't you walk me up there? We'll get acquainted. Maybe uh, clink some glasses together and then it's time to get serious. I think we've maybe got. I'm going to call it at 90 minutes before this gets probably to the logical end point of a four ray match, which gives you an opportunity. I got a couple cards up my sleeve, but. Security detail looks a bit tighter than I thought. So it's time to get creative. I think I have an idea. I figured you would. Everyone likes to talk when they got a microphone up to their mouth. Well, you got a microphone on your throat. And if things get hot, you're going to have to call it in. And then I guess we maybe like kind of make our way through the room. Like um... as you begin to walk towards the staircase that will lead you up to the the VIP meet and greet area. Um, where the other 4A players are being gathered alongside this uh, small group of very generous donors to the Lost Crown Saloon. Um, One of the attendants in a maroon uniform approaches you and addresses you, Rhodes. Excuse me, Mr. Rampart. Um, Before the meet and greet, our gracious host, Rebus Actual, would like to have a a brief word with you upstairs. General will do, but I'm happy to meet. By all means, I'm here on his invitation. And then this guy, uh, you know, looks to the other two of you and says, General Rampart's uh, entourage, feel free to uh, make your way up. We'll be back shortly, I've been assured by Mr. Actual himself. And, you know, he kind of politely, I think, but like, you know, firmly kind of steps in a way that almost separates Rhodes from the other two and directs you towards, you know, I think there's a bank of these elevators that you just came from. I think there is one uh, on the far end that is you know, has guards stationed to right in front of it, right? Two of these big guys in, the, in like, these security uniforms. If you'll please follow me, uh, we can meet with Mr. Actual shortly. So this attendant leads you away, Rhodes, to this, this uh, single guarded elevator at the far end of the banks. Two guards, uh, you know, p- impassive, slightly step aside to allow you two to approach the elevator. And this attendant reaches into his vest and draws out, like, a long, like, an actual key. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I think as he's reaching to his vest, like Rhodes like reaches for the belt, but we're unarmed here. 
Yeah. Uh, he draws out a long and actual key and inserts it into like a slot on the elevator uh, and turns it. Uh, and then the, the doors slide open. And it's a large elevator. Uh, it could fit, you know, a, a party of people um, and some larger, uh, you know, uh, individuals, you know, accommodating to a wide variety of the kind of different kinds of species that we see on, on Ember. Just also maybe a note I didn't hit before. I think it's worth mentioning. I think you get like a really big variety here, right? Uh, in terms of like the interstellar spectrum of life, uh, I think we're seeing a ton of different alien species here tonight in the um, in the Lost Crown Saloon. Uh, but the elevator, yeah, opens, uh, and the attendant kind of steps aside and gestures and says, "Go right ahead, General. Uh, Mister Actual will be waiting for you." It's just us. Like when the doors open, I'm going up the elevator. Yeah, there's no one else in the elevator when it opens. Okay. I think Rhodes is like a little paranoid at the moment. This <laughs> yeah. is like kind of a weird diversion and he's on his own. Anything amiss about the elevator? Um, I think one thing you can see, uh, you're just kind of glancing in. There don't appear to be any buttons whatsoever in it. It is like just a featureless interior besides like like the mirroring. Um, All right, I'll just step in. Um, yeah, and stepping in, you can see... For sure, there are not any controls whatsoever in this elevator. It is blank surface. Uh, and then the the doors close and the elevator, you know, quietly hums as it starts to ascend. Uh, and let's, you know, as you're ascending, let's cut back to the other two. Uh, Rhodes has just kind of been uh, diverted away from the mission. Yeah, but you, you two have been invited to continue on your way to the, the VIP meet and greet. So what are... Uh, Gall Teller and Siegfried Spendlove doing? Well, I've got I got a story I got to tell, so I gotta you know I gotta meet the people who are gonna make it easy to uh, help me paint the picture for the readers. So I'm uh, gonna go up there and hobnob as best as I can. You gonna like do some do some interviews? Yeah, do some interviews. You know, um, like I said, people like to talk when there's a microphone up to their mouth and. Uh, they tend to do a lot more when you offer to take their picture. So, you know, kind of banking out the fact that a lot of the society might really enjoy that, oh, I could be the feature of this story. Rope them in with the, the intrigue of uh, Rhodes Rampart being a part of this, you know, seeing what people know, you know, rubbing the elbows. So you guys are heading up to the, the VIP area. Is that the plan? Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah, you make your way, you know, there's a staircase that leads up to this mezzanine and then, you know, you're passing by, like I say, you know, there are these other like curtained off private rooms, you know, I think like there are people at these tables, you know, drinking, uh, doing various drugs, right? These drug bowls of incense are kind of like wafting in the air. Uh, As you come around, uh, I think you see uh, Sellers Montag kind of lift off his elbows from the balcony and turn around. Uh, and start to head into this um, larger private room whose curtains have been opened, followed uh, immediately by this this larger robotic man. And as you get closer to that entrance, uh, from out of that room, uh, a, a woman uh, appears. She's wearing a, I mentioned like a like maroon blazer and like pencil skirt. Uh, she's a Latorian woman, um, like shorter horns, and I think kind of like red hair and a bob. I think she has some kind of like, you know, uh, not a clipboard. It is like some kind of like mechanical tablet, right? And like, with like keys on it that she's occasionally entering it into. Um, and as you two approach, uh, you know, she kind of moves to intercept you. And she says, oh, excuse me, Elodia Marin, I believe you are. And she glances down, you know, at the like 
the, you know, there's like a screen across the strip across the top of this thing that's like constantly rotating and changing what it's displaying. Cultural liaison Siegfried Spenlove from the the Boundless String. Mm, yes, Pre- present. Welcome, sir. Head right in. We're very happy to have you as a guest of our esteemed competitor. Uh, and you know, you know, all drinks and provisions are of course provided gratis on the house. Uh, we hope you enjoy yourselves. The competitors are just gathering now. Uh, feel free to introduce yourselves. Uh, and then she turns to uh, you, Carta. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe Gall Teller of the Sedge Sentinel. Is that correct? Yeah, Gall Teller, Sedge Sentinel. You have really got a beautiful place here. You know what? The people are going to eat this up. Let's hope that those uh, free drinks you were talking about don't uh, turn this journalism a little yellow. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be biased, but uh, no, it's great to be here. Thank you so much. Of course. Um, you're both, uh, as as friends of our esteemed competitor, you'll be joining us for the full VIP experience tonight uh, and watching the game from Mr. Actual's personal viewing platform. And I think she, you know, looks at you, Gall, uh, she says, of course, uh, while you are very welcome to interview anyone who is willing uh, to discuss the the ceremony tonight, the, the events, the, the tournament, uh, we do ask that you do not intrude on the atmosphere of enjoyment of our fellow guests uh, or disrupt the uh, intensity of preparations that our competitors are undertaking. Of course not. I've made my career, you know, respecting those who are willing to talk to me and telling just the stories they want me to tell. So uh, what, uh, what, what I got here into the, the camera stays with me. And uh, don't worry, it's going to be no problems there. Of course, I'm quite certain. Uh, and she steps aside to allow you to both entrance into this, uh, this private lounge. And, you know, to set it up right, I think there's like a big, you know, this is a, another large circular room. Uh, I think like lots of like, I think there's a lot of chairs. I think there's like a lot of like seating cushions instead, right? I think that there are kind of like six tables arranged along the edge of the room. And it has been structured such that like each of the competitors is sitting, you know, or standing near one of the tables that I think has their projector on it, right? Emitting like the little holographic projection of the machine they're going to be piloting tonight. Let me go one step further where it's like Iron Chef. There's like a big banner printed, you know, like under these tables or like, you know, like I'm imagining like a drape, right? Like over each one of these. Oh yeah, there's like a a tabard like hanging off the wall behind each of them with like a medieval jousting tournament. Like it's literally just your tent and your... We're, We're under the like black banner. Yes. Yeah, yeah, each person has like a custom-made banner hanging behind their table. They have the projector of their mech on the table of their armor, uh, and they're you know each competitor is there. And then there are probably about like fifteen to twenty other people in the room as well. Uh, these are like the other VIPs and their attendees. Uh, and then past that, there's like another ten or twelve people that are like the, uh, the the folks working for the house, right? In their maroon uniforms, they are moving quietly and efficiently, handing out drinks and hors d'oeuvres, and you know, meeting the needs of folks. Uh, and yes, yeah, so there's this like cluster, you know, of people at the center of the room who are kind of chatting. They're taking the drinks from the servers. They're, you know, the room is just warming up, right? They, you know, they, people have just kind of come in here. And, you know, I think uh, this, this woman who brought you in, um, Elodia Marin, is kind of 
checking in on a handful of these VIPs. You know, some of them are starting to move towards the individual tables with the competitors to to meet the competitors they are interested in meeting with tonight. Yeah, you know, just to run it down again, you know, kind of in a, along the edge of this room, right? There are uh, five of the six competitors here. We know one of them is currently uh, on his way up to meet with Rebus Actual before they come down. But, you know, on the, on the far left, we have um, a, a young blonde Lectorian woman in kind of a like like Commonwealth military uniform. This is Sunder Fairside. She's a Lectorian marksman. Uh, I think the the thing you heard last time was that she was considered by some to be the best marksman in all of Ember. Uh, and then uh, on the next table down, there is Harel Three Tide. Uh, and she is a an alien species called a Gratch. I don't think we've seen them before. I imagine she has like um, incredibly like slender and like like a very long neck, like I mean like a foot long neck, almost like kind of insectile a little bit. I think like four eyes, uh, and she is like the a full time Thoray player. And you know, on the table for next to her, her model is the is a cacophony unit. It's a squat thing laid down with like rocket launchers and missile launchers, just like weighted down with weapons, no arms, just legs. Continuing along the edge of the room, we have a uh, Yorn Fullshrift. This is a Lectorian man who has uh, been heavily cybernetically augmented. You know, I think uh, we can see like he's got like a kind of like targeting apparatus kind of built into uh, like a portion of his face. I think you can see like connective ports along the back of his neck. Uh, and then I think that there is an empty space with the black banner where we know that roads will be set up to to meet and greet shortly. Closing the circle, uh, there's uh, the table on next to that uh, with a a banner featuring the symbol of the the seven spoked wheel is Palace again. Uh, they are a, a human, a concordat layperson, and I think they are dressed in just incredibly like simple, like an incredibly simple, like white cotton tunic. You know, a very unassuming kind of outfit. Uh, and their mech, uh, their armor on the table, the the projector of it is a uh, a modified version of the Seizura units that we saw in the last mission. I think it's like sort of standing there holding a, a large sword like pressed into the ground before it. Uh, and then on the far end of the room, opposite uh, Sunder Fairside, is a, a Chiropteran man. And this is uh, Cormac Kalis. I imagine he is wearing, you know, kind of like a... Something not that dissimilar to Des, you know, kind of like a formal uh, cloak. But Des, I think you spot this uh, as you're, I assume you were walking in doing your normal, just like, hey, what's going on in this room? He's, you know, wearing this this black cloak that has kind of like a brooch uh, clasping it. And it's got a symbol that I don't think you recognize, but that probably catches your eye right away, right? Uh, the symbol on this brooch, uh, kind of a stylized black bat on a white circular background, like a black bat against a moon, right? It's kind of a, the stylization of it. There is an X, a, bl- a white X, right? Uh, over one place on the eye of the bat. Uh-oh. And I don't think you recognize the symbol ever, but uh, we do know, I think we've discussed it before, that the the former leader of the Belfry Boys, Salvation Still, is uh, often known as the one-eyed bat. Uh, and so what connection there is there? I don't know. Is that Salvation? It is not Salvation. This is Cormac Kalis. 
You don't recognize this man. Okay. But like, I thought I thought maybe there was like a Yeah, your heart races yeah, for a moment. My heart right? races for a moment making the connection. The Kill Bill Siren music yeah. starts playing. I love it. But yeah, yeah, right. You're Love the like Tarantino like tight cut, like, you know, yeah. realizing one eyed like bat like eye patch as uh, you know. Super superimposed of uh, yeah, Salvation face up. over that. Yeah, <laughs> um, this is not Salvation. Still, this is not the the former leader of the Belfry Boys. Um, but it's funny that someone would have a a weird bat symbol with a one eyed bat as the logo. Small world. Probably just a coincidence. Probably. Uh, but yes, yeah, so that is that is just kind of like the general layout of the room. Like I said, there's most of the people, including sellers, I think are kind of like loosely clustered in the center of the room just starting their first drink maybe snacking on some hors d'oeuvres a few of the most like socially adventurous folks are starting to like go talk to their the the, the foray pilots they're most interested in uh but i don't know what are, what are you two doing uh what's your approach here i guess without making it look like i'm being lined directly to him trying to get close to sellers to you know Try to schmooze him up and, you know, and uh, get to talking in that circle. So I'm going to kind of go into that because uh, I don't really need to spend any time talking to the other players since I'm here to t- to focus on our uh, dear roads. So just kind of. Oh, and what is your kind of, you know, what's your intent here? Just so I can gauge if this is like a role or not yet or what the, what the move is. Well, I guess he I'm trying to be as kind of smooth journalist as I can being like, um, you know, maybe he walks up with a drink and he's like, you know, uh, I know everyone here cares about all these different players. I find it a bit more interesting who, who people have their money on. I think that that says a little bit more than the play in itself. The players only, uh, you know, got a little bit of price pride to lose, but, uh, (laughs) I've heard a lot of other people got money to lose and, I like to see where the money goes. Okay. That kind of thing, you know? <laughs> um, I think that this is a role, right? And I think the role here is maybe to... Not have it just be like, I'm a, who's the freak who's walking By up By the to way, me? where's all that money from? Well, are you trying to strike up like a, a relationship or like a, a conversational interest with, with sellers, right? Right, yeah. Um, so let's make that a role because I think that's more fun mm-hmm. if, if we can, uh, you know, get things going. This is controlled. You're in a controlled situation Controlled, here. and I guess that would... Oh, let's see, I'm rolling... I know what it sounds like to me, but I'm curious to think what you think you're rolling here. Consort. Yeah, I, I can see consort if you're, you know. You say, is, or was Sway what you were thinking? Sway was what it sounded like to me, but I'm willing to hear out consort. Okay. So consort. Mingle with allies and acquaintances. I'd say that we can maybe qualify acquaintances just because we have all been invited into this upper echelon, this VIP room. So in that, whether we actually know each other or not, there is a built-in type of acquaintance to it. Um, and you're not trying to convince him to do something no, yet. You're just trying to open just him up. Just trying to open him up, you know? We've all had a kelp cocktail or two, maybe. And <laughs> if he wants another one, maybe I can get it for him, you know? Sure. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. This is controlled. I think this is standard effect to start with. Is Desmond helping you out here, or Des, do you have different plans? No, I think that, um, I think that, uh, I mean, I don't want to give away the whole, you know, end game here, 
but I think that, you know, it, it would be cool, like, to set up a situation where, like, I don't know, Card is taking a picture of us, and that's Ooh. how we I could get close to him. <laughs> right, I'm with you. I think that the more connections is that what you're thinking? we have... Yeah. Sure. The more connections we have between us and people around, the more movement and... The more movement and confusion. Fluidity and, between yeah, people fluidity is going to give us the time and space and moments we need. The drinks are flowing. The drug balls are fuming. So yeah, I think you maybe you come up and there's an introduction as we're going over like a food platter or something, you know, kind of. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what I'm actually going to do then, because this is fun enough, I think is I'm going to make a clock, um, which is like a four segment clock, I think. Which is, uh, I just I started googling four segment clock, which is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna make a four segment clock, which is like friends with sellers, right? And if you guys can fill this clock by like talking to him and persuading him, then you, when it is full, he will be comfortable enough with you that I think you can open up the opportunity for doing something like a photo op or something that'll like. Um, yeah, because I think as you get close, right, as you start talking, you know, and start bringing this up, I think that this big, this uh, robotic bodyguard does kind of, like, position himself in a way that, like, doesn't let you get right next to sellers, right? It's kind of like a, a kind of a buffer space between you two. Um, is this four segments or is this six segments? I mean, I'd uh, say uh, four. Four. <laughs> four is a cool number. It's way cooler than six. In four my sounds good. Yeah. yeah, four it is. Yeah, I was just trying to think, you know, this is the big mission plan, but also, you know, mm-hmm. it's not that hard to just to, to get him. It, it opens opportunity. It doesn't solve the mission just by right. getting it. Yeah, exactly. it's just getting yeah. opportunities yeah. to um, have some wiggle room and whatever else. Yeah, so that is a four-segment clock. Uh, so this is, yeah, this is the Friends with Sellers clock. It's four segments. And so you're, you're saying consort here as you come over and you start talking with people you start schmoozing a little bit desmond you're helping here you want to give us a little flavor of what that looks like i mean i don't know how i can um help uh i don't know i'm just i'm just i'm uh i'm also there you know it's it's a little bit less awkward walking up to a group of people when you have somebody else with you i guess how does how does desmond introduce himself to this kind of uh conglomeration of like socialites and politicians you know in this group of people right you know there is let me look at it my list here. In this conglomeration of people, right, you know, there is, let's say there's kind of this core group of, of uh, six or seven people. Um, you know, I think, you know, there's, obviously there's sellers. There is another Chiropteran politician, right, in the the Cornflower Blue, like, junior member, Cassock. Uh, you know, there's a, a Concordat cleric here as you walk up. Uh, this human woman, she is wearing these like beautiful purple robes, very Catholic, like embroidered with gold scripture from the the myriad way on the hems. Uh, she's got like rings and like I think you know like a, a crown with the the seven spoked wheel in the center. This big like pendant that's filled with like a kind of a swirling quicksilvery substance, and she's you know carrying on. Uh, there's another Chiropteran in this like sharp suit. I think uh, on his lapel has that same stylized bat over the moon with an X on an I logo. You know, there's a few, a few other people. There's like, like another Lectorian who's in this kind of like shabbier suit. And uh, I think uh, there's like a, what, are, what are, I got a bunch of alien names here. There's like a Rodanim. There's this guy with like a kind of a purple, almost like slug-like face. With this like big kind of um, 
walrus tendril, tendril like mustache. His eyes are on stocks. Love mm. that. That's a cool, yeah. cool guy. Oh yeah. Uh, and this is the yeah. Uh, Gentian Net uh, gambler <laughs> traveler. <laughs> <laughs> How did you he's, from, he's from Space Savannah, Georgia. Yeah, well, just Genty and Net. He's uh, <laughs> here to play some games on him, but make a little money before this thing goes belly up. Oh, we did it, guys. We was? only we only made it fourteen episodes without having a Southern character. We did it. <laughs> we did it, guys. Well, most people in this game are from Space Texas. This guy's from Space Louisiana. <laughs> um, <laughs> Off-worlder. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so give me what is it? How does you know you're introducing yourselves? You know, I think we got a little bit of how um, how uh, Gall Teller came in. What is? I think that uh, uh, Siegfried. <laughs> I think that um, you know Desmond knows that sometimes the best you know way to go in unnoticed is extra noticed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, be, being very loud and just acting as if like I absolutely do belong there. You're supposed to um, be there. I'm mm-hmm. supposed to be there. So why why would I be sneaking about? So I think that I'm going to come in kind of loud and boisterous with Carta by my side, I suppose, right? You're going to come in with me or yeah. should I just go well, in and break the ice and then you come in? We're talking. Well, I imagine this. we were both kind of going in at the same time. Yeah. I was at the table. You sweep in. Maybe I can be like, ah, and of course, you, you have to know Siegfried. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, trying to make inter- introductions. Yeah. All right. So I think me and Carter are talking about this. And I'm kind of saying to you, like, is, is the accent working? I love it. You love it? Okay. I'll just keep going with it. And I <laughs> walk, walk up to this, this group of people. And it's like, nah, what, what we are, yes. What could you group of proprietarians and godbothers be talking about? This and this uh, <laughs> event such as this. I'm kidding, of course. Siegfried, spend love. culture liaison for the syndication of planets known as the boundless ring how are you this evening hello yes you that's good sir with the mustache hello i have one as well (laughs) very nice you madam smashing hat you know just Uh, kind of doing that um so take a stress to give carta an extra dice on this roll um and that's that's roll Carter, do you want to push yourself here? Um, do you know what? I think I am gonna push myself just because if we quicker we can get in in good mm-hmm. with this, the better we're gonna be at buying the time when the game's on and all that. So yeah, I'm gonna push myself. I'll take two stress on that. Um, and hopefully nothing else bad will happen. All right, so that is three dice total that you were rolling. All right, three d six. Let's go. Five, four, and a one. All right, that's a five. That is a partial success. Um, so I think this is going to be, I'm just going to reduce the effect level here. Um, so instead of standard effect, this is going to be a limited effect. Okay. Which is, maybe it's just because you're in the bigger group right now, it's harder for you to get like a one-on-one engagement with sellers. Everyone's attention is kind of shifting as people are introducing themselves, you know, and so you get this, yeah, you know, like we got... Uh, Genty and Net, uh, and you know you get a few of these other people are kind of going around introducing themselves. So we're going to talk. We're going to we're going to click forward one segment on that clock. So it is now one out of four because you're not you don't make yourselves out as outcasts, right? Mm-hmm. But you're also you know you're just kind of 
it, the night's just starting, so you're just kind of getting that first like warm up of introduction. And so you know, yeah, you got you got Gentian Ned who's here, and he's well, I don't usually talk with the press, but I do have some some words to say about what's happening on this here planet and what we could do to fix this whole mess. Finally, a man with a plan. I would love to hear this. This see, this is kind of stuff that readers eat up. I. Fascinating. Uh, and this is like when Sellers Montag kind of spits in and he's like, all right, listen, listen, listen. Net, I get it. You've made a lot of money off of this, but you don't. The Commonwealth's got a vision for what this planet could be. I know you do. You make your money and you get out, but we're building something up here. And he like, looks to you. You hear me, young man? Put that in your paper or whatever you communalists believe in. We've got a vision for developing Ember, not just subsisting. You should know that. Well, looks around. Well, I'll raise a glass to a man with a vision. And you know, a few of the other, other people introduce themselves, right? You know, the, this politician is, is Ignas Trigat. And, you know, this uh, this uh, Chiropteran does introduce himself. This is, is Lambeau Rador. Uh, but he you kind of shies away from 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 you, Carta, uh, once he realizes you're like press, right? And this this Concordat woman introduces herself as Almuric Yet. Um, you know, and she... Also, is kind of she actually I think looks a little nervous. She looks a little like un, uncertain being here. You know, like she's kind of out of out of her her comfort zone. You know, maybe it's she she is a cleric. She introduces herself, and you know, this is um, a part of the humanitarian work of of the Myriad Way is meeting all of the, the people of Ember and understanding their situation and how best to guide them towards the word of the builder. Uh, and so you get, we get this kind of like round table introduction to these people. And I think that, you know, the conversation is flowing and there is like a little bit like light debate here about, you know, what the future of Ember looks like, but it's all kind of like at a remove, you know what I mean? Like everyone here is, has enough power that they don't necessarily, you know, that they feel comfortable kind of being like, well, actually I think it should be like this, but no one's taking like hard political stances per se, you know, they're trying to keep it light. Um, and so while that's happening, I would like to... Let me bring the camera back to the elevator that Rhodes is in alone that has just reached the top of the building. Um, and so Rhodes, yeah, back to you. The like unmarked elevator you're in slows and then comes to a stop. And the doors open, and they open to the outside world. You are on the rooftop of mm. the Royal Crown Saloon, or the Lost Crown Saloon. It's, it's nighttime. The... the uh, Sorry, Keats are raising his hands as if there's Squinting. a bright light. Yeah, like it's bright light. <laughs> it's now nighttime. The there five are, moons are There are five moons, yeah, I was going to say. Um, <laughs> but it is, yeah, it is night. Um, the moons have risen. It's a classic four moon night here on Ember. And yeah, you are on the roof. You are outside, but it's almost like you have stepped into like a, a forest. You are in this experience expansive, beautiful garden. And there is a, a water feature, like a river flowing through it across this roof. You know, and there are these, you know, alien trees, not from Ember. They're the kind of, kind of like, you know, they call the mind like willows, right? You know, hanging low, you know, um, aquatic features. There are ferns. There is like a gentle music, some kind of like choral singing that's coming from like nowhere, but also just kind of always right around you, kind of ambient across the way on the far end of the roof. Um, I remember, this is like a big building, right? It's like a, this building covers most of a block. Um, so it is large. You know, I'm thinking kind of definitely 
of kind of gardens in the Japanese style, like uh, in terms of like the, the aesthetic of this place. And yeah, you know, there are, uh, you know, some lights here, but I think they are probably like, like paper lanterns or something very soft light. You know, there's like yeah, a real ambiance. They're like, they're like garden yeah, lights, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And you are not alone. You know, on the, like I said, on the far end of this rooftop, I was starting to say, there is like this large manor house, right? There's an entire like mansion on the top of this roof on the other side. But that's on the far side, past this like kind of forested garden area with like these bridges go over, going over this stream that winds back and forth through. Um, but before all of that, uh, standing in front of you are, are two individuals. First of them is a, a Vaginoi. It is one of these kind of like amphibious people of the same species that we saw last session with Book Sirac. But whereas Books was like squat with this kind of mottled skin, this person is like tall. They are like, you know, like six foot something, you know, like a large, taller person with like, and his skin is uh, like this kind of seafoam green, very smooth. He's more frog than toad. And I imagine that he is wearing kind of um, these like formal robes that are, I think, like a like a, a soft yellow in color. My like visual like pull here is uh, in Andor the the, the yeah the the husband um, Perrin. These kind of like mm-hmm. you know these like colorful robes um, with like tunics underneath that he wears. I think that's kind of like the vibe here. This is what this person is wearing stately kind of stately. Ornate. Yeah. You know, very simple, right? Kind of almost a minimalistic like aesthetic, but like clean lines. Um, is it the maroon of the lily pad? No, it is like a, a pale yellow instead. Oh, right. um, the maroon is for the service class here. Gotcha. Uh, you wouldn't find Rebus actual wearing that. And he would look big, right? Compared to having just seen uh, books, who is this like squat, smaller uh, vaginoi. Um, except that the other person on this roof in a similar outfit, but in all black and white, standing probably close to nine feet tall is, uh, and this is another sort of um, alien species we haven't seen before, perhaps. There is a Kylaxian. This is a, a person whose entire body appears to be made out of like rough hewn stone, whose eyes blaze like gems in their sockets who looks like the, you know, like, uh, what if an avalanche became a person? Kylaxian, she shifts ever so slightly, and as she does, there is, like, a grating sound of stone when she moves. Um, but she shifts slightly to kind of almost gesture towards uh, this this frogman, this Vaginoi, uh, who then speaks, um, who says, Greetings, General Rampart. My name is Rebus Actual. I am your host this evening. It is a pleasure to finally meet you in the flesh, as it were. And he steps forward and extends his hand. Yes, in the flesh to some degree. I've heard your name many times. I think I've met some mutual friends of ours in passing, but it's a pleasure to meet you in person. Yes, I've heard quite a bit about you. Read quite a bit as well. You've had a, a storied life. I'd love to hear more sometime, but I... Asked you up here for a reason. I was hoping we might have a a short conversation before we go down to join the rest of our fellows and enjoy ourselves before it's time for tonight's uh, main event. Is that all right? Why don't you give me your pitch and I'll tell you if it's all right. Take a walk with me. Let me show you the gardens. They are quite beautiful. You're in no danger here, I promise. Certainly. And your friend? River. And the the Kylaxian, she 
says hello, but this is like a Chewbacca thing probably, right? Where sure. when she speaks, it is just like the, the roar and rumble of stone. I think he, Rhodes gives like a short, curt bow, you know, or something. Like, uh, I have no idea how to communicate, but let's walk then. Uh, and uh, as you walk, River stays there. She does not join you, right? And this is maybe the, the, the show of faith from Rebus Actual. Uh, and so you start walking, and I think, you know, Rebus walks you over a bridge. There are, like, you know, beautiful, uh, like, uh, bioluminescent water lilies floating along the river that are just starting to bloom. You know, and he's, he's pointing them out, and he says, We can keep this brief. Rhodes, may I call you Rhodes? Certainly. If I may, I'd like to have an honest conversation with you. I think that we're not, we're not so different, you and I. <laughs> <laughs> Rhodes doesn't laugh in game, I think. Uh, yeah, Rebus actual does laugh when he says that. He knows that it's a funny thing to say. But we are two violent men in service to causes greater than ourselves. Are we now? There's two conversations we could have now. There's the polite, pleasant conversation where I am the gracious host of the Lost Crown Saloon and you are an excited competitor in the premier foray tournament of the year. And we exchange a few pleasantries, we go back downstairs, and nothing of substance has been said. Or, if you'd allow it, we might speak honestly and briefly uh, and go back downstairs with both of our minds more at ease. I owe you a thanks. Your invitation's very gracious. Our likes not often invited, certainly to Ember's high society, nor the platform on which to perform. And with that comes a great deal of trust. Trust. Precisely. I'm told this is a weapons-free zone, and I'm told something of a neutral ground in a highly political city. I came in unsure of what to expect, but thus far, your invitation has been very cordial, so I'm curious what you have for me now. Uh, He steeples his hands in front of himself and kind of faces... I think you two are standing on the bridge, right? And now it's you two standing on the bridge facing each other, you know, highlighted by one of the moons. And he says, I believe that you are here on a, on a job or maybe a mission. Maybe that makes more sense for your kind, Rhodes. And I want to ask you, are you here to rob me tonight? Of course not. And he looks at you seriously for a moment. And it's like, I think you see for a second, right? He's been cordial. He's been kind of like, you know, charming, genteel. And for a second to like anger flashes across his face and then it's tamped down. I'm not asking you as a joke. Are you here to rob me tonight? If we were here to rob you, I wouldn't be on the roof walking at your side. And secondly, we've no use. We fight for things greater than money. Fair enough. Then whatever you are here for, I don't need to know. And I'd rather, for reasons of plausible deniability, you did not tell me. I had no intention. (laughs) Understand that, as you said... The Lost Crown Saloon has a certain reputation as a neutral place, as a place that is free of weapons because it offers a guarantee of safety. Whatever you are here to do, I ask that you do it quietly, you do it without making a mess of my saloon, and that when you are done doing it and when you leave, no one here feels any the wiser that it happened. Is that a reasonable ask? Am I overstepping my bounds? I am a man who keeps close track of my debts, and as you say, you owe me one. Trust's a funny thing. People also say trust is for children and dogs. Do they say that? 
That's a phrase. <laughs> Is that really a phrase? That's a terrible phrase. Um, I think, boy, it's a tough one. Really getting my bluff called out here. I mean, you could always double, be like, you know, this is a gambling thing, like double down if we're trusting and you want things to go. And we all have our purposes, you know. I mean. Let's keep that trust going. Rebus, we're both men of Ember. What was your intent in the invitation? I was interested. Fair enough. I, of course, I'm not a competitor in the same way these other players of games are. So certainly, uh, I don't want to cause trouble here. I'm grateful for the invitation, uh, and I should hope to be invited back. I will take that to mean that we are in accord, then. I hope we can continue to build on our relationship. The ring's something of a dirty word here on Coronatus. I have a a certain affection for your sort. Any system left too stable for too long, it it removes the the space of opportunity that I like to operate in. And the ring is, if nothing else, uh, a destabilizing element. If we are in accord, let us return to the floor. There are, are people awaiting your arrival. Folks would be rather keen to, to meet one of the ring's great heroes. Shall we? A moment. I'll give you my word. I, as an entrant and combatant here, seek only the glory of the platform. It's a nice change of pace, of course, to exit the battlefield. I'll treat that with the same respect I would treat any foe or combatant crossing swords. You say we're not that different, but as I look across you, you're sitting on a throne surrounded by a pile of coin. What makes us similar? Like I said, my good man, we are both violent men who work to violent ends in service to greater causes. Make no mistake, our causes are not the same, but I suspect in the way that no two weapons are all that dissimilar, you and I share many things in common. Well, perhaps another conversation. Thank you, again, for your hospitality to me and my entourage. I hope that uh, you find whatever it is you're looking for. And I hope that you will relay the substance, if not the details of our conversation, to your entourage. (laughs) Yes, Rebus, I think we'll be friends. Uh, Then let us go rejoin the others. Uh, And I think, you know, uh, he... Whips out the big key. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, as you approach the elevator, it doesn't need a key for Rebus, actually. It just opens. I think if, like, Rhodes could sweat, there'd probably be, like, perspiration. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Just like, ah, you're not supposed to know that. Um... But yeah, I think you two uh, and River, uh, the three of you, enter the elevator, and it is sent quietly humming back down towards the lily pad lounge. Mm-hmm.